Sometime in the early 1950s, Virginia Haviland, who worked with the Boston Public Library, was looking for a book for a young boy. He had just learned to read, so she wanted something simple that he could read by himself, and she came up short. So she called her friend Ursula Nordstrom, the legendary HarperCollins kids' book editor who had a big influence on modern children's literature. They had been talking about the need for this format, which at that time didn't even exist. This is Tamar Mays, an editor with HarperCollins. She says Virginia told Ursula a story. About this kid running through the library going, I can read, I can read. Now where are the books for me? And so Ursula had been mulling this over, and she very much agreed with Virginia that there was a need for a format for newly emergent readers for books that were just for those kids. So with that kind of I can read cry echoing in her mind, she decided to call this new line I can read. The first book in the newly created I Can Read series was called Little Bear, written by Elsa Homeland Minerick and illustrated by Marie Sendek. It came out in 1957. And it cost in hardcover in 1957, $2.50. And then I was looking at the old catalogs. In fall of 1959, there was an announcement that the price had dropped to $1.95 because of the enormous popularity of I Can Read. Little Bear was instantly beloved. That kind of set the high bar for <laughs> every I Can Read to follow. I'm Sonia Sells, and this is Remember Reading from HarperCollins, a podcast where we talk about classic children's books. This episode, we're doing things a little differently. Rather than focus on a single classic book, we're going to talk about the treasured I Can Read collection. It's still going strong today. We're going to hear more from Tamar about how the books have evolved. We'll also talk to a couple contemporary beginner reader authors. Corey Tabor writes Fox the Tiger. I can read books are often the the first books that kids read to themselves, you know, which uh, has has to have a pretty big impact on them. And I think the books that you love when you're a kid really stick with you your whole life. And Kelly Starling Lyons has created a brand new series. It's called Ties Travels. Okay, you heard about the origins of I Can Read, but what exactly makes an I Can Read book? The hallmark of I Can Read, I think, is that we're trying to make the process really of learning to read, which we, you know, is admittedly really challenging. We're trying to sort of ease the way in a couple of different ways. This is Tamar Mays again. She runs all things I Can Read. And one of them is that the books have a really tight correspondence between the art and the text. We try to make it so that if you're stuck on a word, you can look at the art and that should help you figure it out. The books tend to use relatively simple vocabulary so kids don't become frustrated decoding complicated words. And they use a large, easy font and predictable layout so kids don't get lost. 
The thing that I think that's the most important, if I was talking to someone who'd never heard of I Can Read and I was trying to explain it, is that we try to do incredibly good stories. They're their own art form, to be sure, but in their own way, I think they're just as satisfying as the best of the picture books. They have really good plots. They have incredible authors, incredible illustrators. And so, you know, what we sort of pride ourselves on is that the payoff is there. If you're a struggling reader and reading is not yet easy for you, we want it to be rewarding. We want it to be a really great story. After accepting Little Bear, that very first I Can Read book, Ursula Nordstrom wrote the author, Elsa Holman Minerick, asking for more stories. In a 1956 letter, she wrote, quote, I remember thinking months ago that perhaps children who are starting to read might think it's slightly babyish to read about animals. Perhaps, Ursula asked the writer, do you have something about children? Elsa didn't, at least not right away. But Ursula recruited more writers. I Can Read Stories grew to feature cats, frogs, dinosaurs, and yes, children. Today, there are more than 400 I Can Read titles. About 15 years ago, HarperCollins decided to check in and see how the I Can Read books were doing. Like, were they still resonating with readers? The series had been around for nearly 50 years at that point. And at that time, they did sort of a deep dive and they felt like what had been working on the run-up to, you know, the recent history up to 2005 was the backlist. There was this perception that, you know, this was largely an institutional brand, did well, you know, that we were beloved for our wonderful backlist characters like Frog and Toad, but not so much uh, some of the, the frontlist titles weren't really grabbing people's attention as much. So the editors tried to figure out why that was. What was it about the backlist that kept people reading those classics? Books like Frog and Toad, Danny the Dinosaur, and Little Bear. They determined that it's all about the characters. So they started commissioning new I Can Read books with strong characters, some of them pulled from beloved picture books. So we started out with Fancy Nancy, but now we also have Pinkalicious, we have Pete the Cat, we have Splat the Cat by Rob Scotton based on his best-selling picture books. But Tamar and her team also looked for new characters to introduce to the I Can Read library. One of them was Fox, created and brought to life in words and images by Corey Tabor. I'm trying to remember how I did the first Fox book. I think the idea kind of came to me all at once. Corey had an image in his head of a fox with black stripes painted on him, calling himself a tiger. So I just sat down with a blank sheet of paper and a pen and just wrote everything that came into my mind and then kind of drew little doodles alongside the the writing. That became the book Fox the Tiger. Fox the Tiger is about Fox, who he's just really into tigers and thinks they're, they're great and decides to become a tiger. And so he paints himself with some stripes and in doing so, he inspires his friends to also become what they want to be. But then he, at the end, he kind of realizes that he's he's great as he is and that it's all relative, that Squirrel comes along and thinks that the fox is just as cool as fox thinks tigers are. So I think that's the lesson there, that uh, 
you know, that you are just as good as whoever your hero is. Fox is kind of a trickster character. He's kind of always up to something mischievous. He's never mean-spirited, you know, he's got a good heart and he kind of likes hanging out with his friends and just kind of getting into trouble and always into some kind of adventure or another. We asked Corey if he thought that most kids are like that in that they tend to get into just a little bit of trouble, even if it's not mean-spirited, even if it's just for fun. Yeah, I think so. Especially now that I've got a toddler running around, I can see that firsthand. Corey has always loved to draw. You could say that he liked writing from an early age, too. I have this drawing I made, I think, when I was seven years old that my mom gave me recently. And it's a picture of me sitting in like a chair holding a book. And it says, my big dream is to be a novelist. It must have been for some kind of assignment or anything. And I'm, I'm sure I, did, I wasn't even reading novels at the time. So it's pretty funny to see. But it took him some time to find his way to kids' books. He had dropped out of college and tried writing books for adults. One day I was uh, browsing in a bookstore and I just happened to come across a stack of Marie Sendak books that somebody had just put down. And I was just flipping through them and kind of started to remember how much I love picture books. And, and I just realized that they were the perfect combination of uh, the two things that I like doing most, which is writing and drawing. So uh, that's kind of when it hit me that I wanted to get into picture books. He took about seven years to study how picture books work before he sold his first one. He says working on I Can Read books has been particularly special for him. I've gotten some letters from parents who say that Fox the Tiger is the, the first book their kid ever read by themselves. And that's just, just unbelievably, you know, such a huge honor. So that's been just so rewarding to hear from readers that my books are actually helping them learn to read. Corey now has four I Can Read books about Fox, including a couple new ones. The pictures of Fox and his friends appear hand-drawn. Corey uses watercolor and pencil, but also digital tools like Photoshop. And I think my illustrations have maybe been described as kind of quirky. They're uh, maybe a little cartoony and kind of funny. I like, especially with the early readers, I like playing with having the illustrations be really just silly and over the top paired with the uh, kind of the subdued, simple language. As always, the goal of any I Can Read book is to make kids confident readers. And what we know is that being able to read fluently is really very much linked, I think, to success in life. And as long as I Can Read can deliver that, it'll stick around. With new characters, new stories, but the same old goal. I think that learning to read is a constant. It's a relatively short period in your life where you're mastering learning to read. But during that period, it's like a really important thing and, and something that all parents value. So I think that's one of the reasons why I Can Read and beginning readers in general continue to remain really a significant part of children's lives. Special thanks to Tamar Mays, Corey Tabor, and Kelly Starling-Lyons. By the way, Kelly's a founding member of a blog called The Brown Bookshelf. Check out thebrownbookshelf.com to discover lots of amazing books. For more about any of the books in this episode, visit harpercollins.com. While there, you can sign up for the I Can Read Book Club and receive five I Can Read titles each month for your early reader. If you love the podcast, let us know on Twitter, at ReadingPod, 
or you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Visit rememberreading.com where you can learn more about our episodes. And a special thanks to Irina Jurev and Lindsay Jacobson for all their help with the podcast and conducting these interviews. Remember Reading is produced by Kate Piggott and Josh Suey of Podfly Productions. I'm Sonia Sells. Until next time.